Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hi there. This is Thinking Sideways, and I'm Joe, and joined as always by Devin and, and Steve. There we go. Okay, yeah. now, now we're ready to solve a mystery. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, okay, I know. No intro, straight yeah. into it. I like your way, uh-huh. man. Yeah. So uh, this mystery, unfortunately, it doesn't involve any bloodshed. There's no murders. Uh, yeah, no supernatural okay. stuff. I know. We've been kind of on a no murder kick recently. Uh huh. Yeah. So very so, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is nonviolent. This is a very cerebral mystery. Cool. Um, in early, very early 1964, about six weeks after the assassination of John F. Kennedy, a KGB agent who had been working for the CIA as an agent. Uh, for us, as a as a double agent? Uh, no, well, I guess if he's a KGB agent, he's sort of a double agent. But uh, a double agent is really one who's a KGB agent that's working for us, but he's still a KGB agent loyal to them and passing disinformation to us. So, oh. so he was working for us as an Asian agent, but it, he really actually was a double agent. Although there's still controversy about that. That's one of the mysteries we're going to, going to address tonight. How much wood could a ch- woodchuck chuck? Woodchuck could chuck, could chuck wood, wood is what that sounded like to Absolutely. me. Absolutely, precisely. Wow. Okay, totally. so yeah. okay, so a... obviously. This is going to be a convoluted show, and I'm going to uh, be a little lost. bit convoluted. Okay. But but here's here's the, the, if you're worried about a long, long, tedious show that grinds on forever, no, I'm going to talk really, really fast, and we're going to get it done with really fast. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Let's so, go. All right. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning. So um, wait, who is this guy? Uh, his name was Yuri Nasenko. Uh, Yuri was part of a security detachment for a, a Soviet delegation to disarmaments a, disar- a disarmament conference in Geneva, Switzerland. Okay. So he's Russian. He's yep. Yep, he's a Russian. Okay. And a member of the KGB. When he was in Geneva, he passed a note, secretly of course, to a U.S. diplomat requesting a meeting with a U.S. representative, which, which in that, you know, means a spy. There's the, the man who was responsible for recruiting Soviet agents in Switzerland was a guy named Tenet Bagley, who, who went by the name Pete, so Pete Bagley. Uh, I like Tenant Bagley. Yeah, Tenant's kind of cool, but apparently, I don't know. He decided to go by Pete instead. Don't ask yeah, me. I, why. I imagine that he probably got ridiculed a lot in school, and yeah. so he just said, "Oh, mm-hmm. my name is Pete." Yeah, uh, or uh, it's just easier. Or maybe, yeah. well, the guy is a spy. Maybe that was his like spy name. Oh, yeah, there you go. Wait, Which away? One? Yeah, Tenant or Pete? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they usually give him names like you know Albatross or you know, <laughs> Featherweight, but in his case, it was just Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Pete. So yeah. So anyway, he was uh, in charge of. Uh, he and his team were in charge of going after diplomats, intelligence officers, military attaches, whatever. 
And so uh, he was he was notified. He flew to Geneva. He wasn't there at the time, and arranged for a note to be passed back to Nasenko, which had a date, time, and address on it. That specified date and time. He was waiting for Nasenko at a safe house, and uh, Nasenko eventually showed up a little bit late. Claimed to have, claimed he was trying to shake off a tail. So okay, whatever. And uh, said that he wanted to get some money from the CIA. Apparently, he was part of the, the KGB delegation, um, and he had. Uh, sort of, sort of like, drank up. The, the story varies a little bit. One is that the, the money was stolen from him by a prostitute. Another one is he, he just drank and gambled it all away. But essentially, he was he had taken some official KGB funds and uh, kind of lost it, and he needed funds. Really he didn't want to get caught yeah, with his hand to, in the till. He needed to replace the funds, so he offered to sell uh, a manual to a, a KGB manual for nine hundred Swiss francs, which detailed how to follow how how the Soviets were able to follow U.S diplomats in Moscow and other, and other Russian places. Well, and that, that was, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but that was kind of a big problem for us when we were over there is our guys kept getting popped left, right, and center because the KGB operated differently and uh-huh. we kept falling for their tricks. Oh, yeah, exactly. We, and... were, evident, we were evidently pretty easy to find. Uh, yeah, and... They, uh, they, they, what you mean? Americans in Russia were easy <laughs> to find. That's that's the whole thing. It's it's so much easier for them to to go about their business in our society because we're a, a free, open society, whereas mm-hmm. a, a closed, totalitarian society. And so we stick out, obviously, like a sore thumb. We're very easy to follow around, and uh, and also on top of that, they've proven to be very they've proven to be very very good at just spoofing us and 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 like you know sending false false agents our our direction and just pumping us full of disinformation. We've bit every time on the line, essentially. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we have, yeah. We've, and, and then, you know, along came, along came James Angleton, who was a, more of a skeptic in that regard. He was, he was a, lot more, a lot more skeptical about all these wonderful intelligence coups and everything. That made him less than popular with the intelligence-gathering arm of the CIA because, you know, they just wanted to bring in lots of good intel and get promotions out of it. But anyway, I'm getting way ahead of myself. So Pete Bagley asked Nosenko a standard list of questions. Number one is, of course, are, is the Soviet Union about to attack the U.S.? Answer, no. That's, that's the one they're supposed to ask first. Second one asked, he asked if he wants to defect. And the answer was no, because uh, Nosenko said that he had a family and kids in Moscow. And he just wanted to get that money so he could stay out of trouble. Bagley then asked him if he wanted to work for the CIA and make lots of money. And Nosenko said he'd think about it. So anyway, the meeting went on for about two hours, and then they parted ways. Uh, two days later, they got together again, and this time Nosenko had the KGB manual, which detailed how they followed our guys in Moscow. Um, and he, he had thought about it and decided to be our agent. He returned to Moscow several days later. He'd been given a code name, super cool, and uh, code name and like a secret password. And, what was and his code name? A.E. Foxtrot. Oh. Yeah, great what? code name. I, okay. Well, it's better than Pete. I guess. <laughs> on one hand. On the other, like AE Foxtrot, like uh, AEF. AEF. Uh, I have no idea where they come. I, I, I've heard that, that, that all these, these names they come up with for, they just have a randomly generated list. And you just, you know, when your name, when you come up, then you grab the next one off the top. It's all random. So there's no connection to huh. you that can be drawn. All right. Yeah. I guess that's fair. Yeah. Okay. 
So anyway, he, he returned uh, with some KGB documents, and he agreed to act as a spy, and then eventually went back to Moscow. Pete Bagley went back to Washington to report on all this. He was quite excited about the whole thing. Um, one of the things about, about uh, Nosenko is he worked, according to him at least, he worked in the second chief directorate of the KGB. Um, this is a, a part of the KGB the CIA had not even been aware of until a few years before, and they knew nothing about it. And so they were quite excited to, to have an agent right in the heart of this whole thing. So Bagley and his boss were very, very excited about the whole thing. Uh, anyway, let me take a quick, quick side trip here. So the CIA's Soviet-Russia division, of which Pete Bagley was a part, was the most important branch of their intelligence collection department. It's, they've got various, various departments. The, the main, most important part of the part, of course, is the part that goes out and gets intelligence. And then they have, like, the counterintelligence side, et cetera, et cetera. But of, of the intelligence-gathering part, the Soviet-Russia division at that time was the most important division in the CIA. Sure. It had its own counterintelligence branch also, and eventually Pete Bagley wound up being head of the counterintelligence branch of that. And there's another counterintelligence branch, which was CIA counterintelligence, which was headed by James Jesus Angleton, who I'm sure you guys have all heard of. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. Totally. They've got all these yeah, greatest yeah. hits. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so they, what they focus on is preventing penetration of the, the organization by foreign intelligence services, and also another one of their jobs is to sort out information from disinformation. And this leads to, so, so in other words, uh, because foreign intelligence services are constantly going to be trying to feed you lies and manipulate your perception of what they're up to, then you have to find a way to, to sort out the validity of these people that come present themselves and want to be your agent. Sure. Because okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so anyway, Bagley, as I was saying, was back in Washington. He got a message from Angleton requesting to have a meeting with him. I've already told you who he is. James Jesus Angleton was the head of CIA counterintelligence. Mm -hmm. um, so Angleton, uh, in his office, Angleton hands him a file about a Soviet defector. And I, it, in the account that I read of this, it didn't say who the defector was, but I presume it's Anatoly Galitsyn, who was an actual authentic Soviet defector who defected a few years before Nosenko. The high points of Nosenko's story were basically identical to the other file story. So, so in other words... It, was, it became kind of obvious that Nosenka was probably just a dangle. He was just somebody that had been dangled in front of our guys, and we took the bait. Mm. And, so, and so he was probably, in, in, in Angleton's appear, uh, opinion, he was almost certainly a double agent and not for real. So he was just going to pass us disinformation. So he was basically just regurgitating a story that they'd used on us or somebody had told us before then. Yeah, because, um, you know, it's like, it's like uh, as one guy put it, it's like fly fishing, you know. You know, you, you try a lure and you send it out there. If it doesn't work, you change lures. And you just keep going like that until the fish bites. And, you know, you've got a good lure. So <laughs> start using that lure a lot. And that's what mm. they do. And so, yeah, one of, the, one of the interesting things is, like, one of the things that the KGB knows that we like to see is an agent that's got a little bit of a problem with either, you know, booze or women or something like that. Some weakness that's going to make him spend too much money or whatever. And then, of course, he's going to need to turn to us for money in terms, in, in terms for secrets and stuff like that. And so that was definitely a part of Nosenko's story. Booze, women, the whole thing. Pete Bagley was very disappointed because he was very excited about landing this big fish. Angleton, on the other hand, felt like, well, you know, we can, he's still useful. We can, pass, we can pass a little misinformation back through him to the KGB, so it's not all, it's not all bad. Mm. That's where the story leaves off for the time being. They kept him on the payroll, and, but they labeled his information as untrustworthy. Of course, of course, they didn't go tell him that. They made him believe that they still they believed his story. But 
anyway, he was back in Russia. Time goes by. And as I said earlier, about six weeks after JFK is assassinated, he sends a, he sends a, a message wanted, requesting a meeting again in Geneva. And when he meets with Bagley, this time he wants to defect. Okay, so how, how long is that after, like, our first encounter? About a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, you know, I don't think I said what the date was. The date was, like, June 1962 when he okay. first made contact with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that. For some reason to me, it was a much shorter time span, and I mm-hmm. think it's just because everything starts up about where you're you're at right now and yeah. some of the details I think I glossed yeah, over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, no, he'd been uh, in our employ feeding us BS for about, you know, a year and a half. And we'd <laughs> been feeding him BS. Oh, yeah, for, of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's, there's great ways you can do that, you know. If mm-hmm. you know this guy's a double, you can do you can do things like request information about this mm-hmm. or about that. And you know? say and, you're, like, and super interested in yeah, that. Exactly. Right. So to give them an idea of, of you know, of what We're wondering about your military-grade beetles. Uh-huh, exactly, yeah. We'd it's, like to know about ice fishing off your eastern coast. Uh-huh. We just random... Do you have any information about that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. you do? Oh. Uh, yeah, it's one of those... Great! Uh, yeah, in, the spy, in the, the spy business, every little, every teeny little tidbit... Mm-hmm. Gets gets considered, so yep. you know, you, and so any little piece of BS that you can feed him is is valuable. Sure. Uh, so he says he wants to defect, and so he cabled back to Bagley, cabled back to CIA headquarters, and and even though this guy was obviously a double agent, they had and they saw no use in letting him defect. Unfortunately, oh, I, you know, I, I left out a most important part. Let me get let me go back here for a sec. He said he wanted to defect, and he said that the reason he wanted to defect is that he was oh, he got, yeah. felt that he had come under suspicion. And even more importantly, he said that he knew something about Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. That's right. right. Okay. The assassination so, connection. That's right. So, yeah, so the, the department that he worked for, uh, in, the, in that department, a sub-department within that, is what's called the Tourist Bureau. And, what and their job is it's a counterintelligence thing. And in the, underneath that counterintelligence division, they there are agents in their own departments who just follow around journalists and dip Western diplomats and tourists who are in actually in the Soviet Union, trying to recruit them and, be, and also basically spying on them. So since Oswald you know, was an American in Russia, he would have fallen under the purview of this guy's very department. And, and he'd so, been a Marine, and, so that made it must uh, have made him stand out even more as mm-hmm. a as, you know curiosity yeah. to him. Yeah, sure. and you know somebody a potentially valuable recruit, perhaps you mm-hmm. know, or assassin. Who knows? Uh, Nosenko says that he was actually assigned to watch Oswald while Oswald was there, and then after the assassination. Oswald, of course, by that time, obviously had left the Soviet Union. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite yeah, obviously. Right. A couple months uh, prior. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so after the assassination, he was apparently assigned to go through all of his KGB files and interview it, interview everybody and, you know, just find out precisely, you know, who talked to him and what then and, and who had made contact with them and if, if there really was any sort of KGB control over this guy, over Oswald. Sure. And, of course, he reported absolutely not. Well, and that would yeah. that would be really important for them to know because if they are some way responsible for the assassination of an American president in mm-hmm. a time where we were always ready with the thumb on the big red button, yeah, yeah, there's another world war going on. That's not something you want to have happen or have right. anybody find out about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though he was untrusted, he didn't really have a lot of value to us as a defector. Uh, uh, and this went clear up to the uh, CIA director Richard Helms. He was the director at the time. He authorized the defection because otherwise they could have been accused of suppressing information 
relevant to the assassination. Ah. So, so, so they smuggled him, uh, smuggled him out of Switzerland on a military attaché plane, got him back to the States, and at this point they were wondering exactly what to do with him, so they did the obvious thing. They locked him up threw for him. three and a, Yeah, they threw him in a dungeon for threw three and a half Gitmo. years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 uh, they built a little, a little special cell for him in the basement of a house mm-hmm. in Washington suburbs and basically locked him up and interrogated him for about three and a half years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they went after him quite a bit. It's a long interrogation. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, especially for somebody who came to you and said, "Hey, we, I want to defect to America mm-hmm. because I have this information." Well, yeah. there's some issues though, and I don't know if you were going to get to this, Joe. But one of the things that I know really prompted them to go ahead and lock him up initially was the fact that his reason for wanting to defect was he had gotten. If correct me if I'm wrong here, um, is that he had gotten a cable saying come back to Moscow. Yeah. At which point he was worried they'd figured out he was playing the game mm-hmm. and he was going to be killed. Yeah. But when we had everybody look into it, there was no record of mm. this request, yeah. this cable. Yeah, yeah. It, took a, it, it took a little while to sort that out. I, think, I yeah. guess, yeah, I right. guess it's just the three years is like a really long time. Yeah, it kind of is a long time, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's definitely yeah. above and beyond. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, and, and I, I don't think we're ever going to get to the bottom quite exactly of why he was locked up and interrogated for quite that long mm-hmm. of a time. They did catch him out in a couple of a couple of significant lies, actually more than a couple. One was one was about the cable, the telegram, recalling mm. him. Mm-hmm. And uh, another significant aside about that is that the FBI had a major source called Fedora, and he was a he was a Soviet diplomat in New York, and that was his code name, Fedora. And that's not his Russian name, right? <laughs> but uh, so they had been uh, this this guy Fedora was a double agent also, and they didn't know it, of course, and he'd been feeding them disinformation for years. Mm. Yeah, so Fedora, so Fedora comes along and they're they're asking him if he knows anything about Nosenko. And he's saying, well, you know, the um, the the chief of the KGB, KGB office in New York had called a meeting and a bunch of KGB, KGB agents and also Fedora, who was a, a diplomat, but still a high-level Russian, so he was in on this. And uh, and spelled out a few details, a lot of relevant details, actually, like his rank in the KGB, lieutenant colonel, which it later turned out he'd been lying about. Nosenko admitted that under under interrogation. And also he confirmed that, yes, there had indeed been a telegram recalling him. He'd heard about that also. Hmm. you know. And, of course, this was like, this later, like, sort of, you know, backfired on Fedora a little bit because it sort of, you know, after Nosenko confessed that he'd been lying about that stuff, suddenly... People are looking at Fedora and thinking, gee, gosh, why exactly uh, are you telling us this stuff which corroborates his story mm-hmm. when we know specifically that this stuff was a lie because he sure. admitted it. And, that's, and, and the fact that Fedora eventually was proven to be a double agent who was trying to back up his story sort of was another nail in Yuri Nisenko's coffin. Yeah. Yeah, Fedora was uh, obviously a spy. So and that, <laughs> makes, that, makes, uh, that makes Nisenko a double agent too. Wah, wah. Yeah, I know. All right, so anyway, um, so they interrogated him for three and a half years, and, and by the way, this was not done, uh, not done just like unauthorized or anything like that. Richard Helms, again, director of the CIA, went to the Department of Justice, which was headed by Robert F. Kennedy, JFK's brother, and mm-hmm. got permission to lock this guy up and detain him for as long as need be mm-hmm. to try to wring any information out of him. Uh, they were accused later on of withholding information from 
the FBI and from the Warren Commission, which was investigating the JFK assassination. But Helms had actually met with Chief Justice Earl Warren and explained to him the reason why, because Warren had heard about Nisenko and was thinking about how calling him to testify, but then explained to him why he would not be a reliable witness. And so, mm. but nonetheless, I mean, still to this day, there's there's people who accuse the CIA of imprisoning him specifically to keep him from the FBI oh, and from, from the Warren Commission. About, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, because, you know, people love a good conspiracy theory, especially concerning JFK. Yeah, JFK is one of the, like, longest-running, I feel, conspiracy theories. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't get into that. He's, he's assassinated. Uh, that's another mystery we need to solve, by the way, real quick, like JFK's assassination. Uh, he was assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald was a hardcore communist mm-hmm. and a devotee of... Fidel Castro, mm. and you know, probably not quite too straight in the head. But what, what about the woman in the babushka on the I hill? Know, I know. <laughs> what about uh, the four shooters? Yeah, this is one area where uh, uh, Nasenko may have been telling the truth, and he was asked about about whether the KGB had contacted Oswald, tried to recruit him, and what he said was that he had been he'd been watched, obviously, mm. and it had been decided that he was uh, not quite smart enough and too unstable to really make an effective <laughs> agent. So, sure. I that, think that, that's fair. That's Yeah, that sounds plausible to it's me. Probably yeah. accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's pretty probably uh, accurate assessment. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, okay, now we saw the JFK assassination. Let's get back to this thing for a little <laughs> Let's bit. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> I know, I know. Who else was assassinated? Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And Nisenko eventually, as I said, confessed that he lied about certain things, uh, but he never completely recanted his entire story. Eventually, hmm. he was released. He was given a large sum of money and a new identity and relocated. And uh, the most mysterious, or one of the mysterious, most mysterious parts of this whole thing is he was, quote-unquote, rehabilitated by the CIA, which is like... Um, and I, I've got, I, and I've unearthed some declassified documents. Like I've got, I've got some memos from Angleton to the FBI, for example, mm-hmm. detailing in great detail all the many, many reasons why Nosenko and Nosenko should not be believed. 
when you look at it, it's pretty devastating to Tinosenko's case. Mm. And actually, if, if our listeners are lucky, I'll post a couple of those on our website. So <laughs> yeah, they're kind of it's kind of funny. They're they're kind of old and smudgy. They were just recently declassified, old and smudgy with a lot of markings all over them and stuff. Mm. But there, some of them are pretty interesting and eye opening. But anyway, I uh, guess you know if you have somebody in the basement locked up for three and a half years, and you're like torturing them for information for three and a half years, when you release them. It behooves you to say, oh, no, they're rehabilitated, uh, and they're never going to talk about this ever, uh, yeah, than yeah, saying, yeah. like, no, this person's still, like, maybe dangerous, but we're just going to, like, release them anyways. Mm, yeah, you know, that. I think if you torture somebody enough, they're going to get rehabilitated to what you want. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, and the other but, thing is, you know, at what point do you realize that, wow, we've had this guy here for a long time, and he mm. hasn't changed the story anymore? Um, should we stop? Or Stockholm or, Syndrome. Well, or or a, do we just keep going? Yeah, yeah. It's a, at a certain point, you know, it's like, you know, this guy quite likely is still lying to you about some major things, maybe, but obviously he's not going to break, so, you know, after mm. three and a half years, so it's just time to you know, cut to the chase. Or he so. does, right? And he says, no, I was lying. I was lying about everything. Can you release me now because it's been three and a half years in a dungeon in a basement? Yeah, I'm kind of tired of this. I'm yeah. tired of it. I yeah, no, you're tan. totally right. Yeah. You're totally right. You're totally right about everything. Mm. You know that? Yeah. I would say that. If yeah. I were in the basement for three and a half years, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with whatever. If you said, yeah, you are a, you know, you're a North Korean spy, I would say, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that going to make you release me? Okay. Get yep. it all up. Yeah, well, right. I, I got to tell you, yeah, if, I, if I'm a spy and they and they, they, they put me in the torture chamber, I'm going to just say, hey, dudes, no need. I'll tell you whatever you want to mm-hmm. know. I'm a spy. Yep. Like, yep, that's this is why none of us would make good spies. That's true. Yeah, that's exactly. why we didn't yeah. pass that exam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but anyway, this is where the whole thing gets turned upside down because uh, everybody, I mean, Angleton and the head of the and Richard Helms head of the CIA mm. and uh the the head of the Soviet Russia division and also his underling Pete Bagley every all of them were totally convinced that Nosenko was a double agent and they had good reason to believe so right and uh and yet when i say he was that Nosenko was rehabilitated what that means is basically the CIA changed their minds and decided you know he's for real after all and mm. he's he's a good guy and so they like I said, they let him go, and mm-hmm. they actually he wound up eventually getting getting well paid to be a counterintelligence consultant to the CIA. Huh. Meantime, um, yeah, the uh, the chief, the head of the Soviet Russia division was transferred off to some uh, other backwater somewhere. Pete Bagley was also passed over for promotion and transferred off to to a backwater somewhere. Mm. Angleton was cashiered, uh, even though he had had nothing to do with the imprisonment. With the the guys that had actually had something to do with the imprisonment, well, maybe. That's a kind of an interesting mystery is um, how exactly is it that despite all the massive evidence to the contrary, they just decided that he was there for, he was their boy and they actually hired him to be a, a consultant? Yeah. That's, that's a mystery. Uh, again, I uh, think that, that I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Joe, but I, again, I think that somebody finally realized you've had this guy for three and a half years mm-hmm. and you've got nothing out of him. Yeah. It's time to cut him loose and we're not going to have egg on our face. We've got to do something to mm-hmm. pretend or attempt to put a Band-Aid on this and make it look okay. Well, you know, and that could be it. I mean, that's, that's you know, there's a couple of ways of looking at the purge, like the Soviet Russia division purge. One is that the mole triumphed and managed to, like, you know, kill everybody that stood in, stood in his path and that was a threat to him and got all the, all the people who were threatening him removed. 
That's one way of looking at it. Or another way of looking at it is, like you say, when this came out, it was it was kind of controversial. This is the only person who had ever been imprisoned by the CIA, much less for three and a half years. So they might have decided it was the you know it was maybe the best thing to do was to sort of cashier the people responsible for this whole thing and just pretend like yeah it's all in the up and up. They did wrong. We love you. We love you, Yuri. So maybe that is, as you say, maybe that is what they were doing. Well, well, hang on a second here. I don't, suddenly you're saying the mole. So was Yuri saying the whole time that there was a mole in the CIA? Or, no. Or is this just some people have said there was a mole and the mole Or is, is Yuri the mole? Mm, no, no, Yuri obviously wouldn't have been a very good mole since nobody ever believed him. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair, yeah. Now, uh, oh, Angle- Fedora. Angleton, Angleton firmly believed in a mole. Uh-huh. That there was a mole, and um, there, and there's other evidence to that. I'll actually, I'll get to that in a second, but um, yeah, it's, it's quite possible that there was a mole. But like I said, the other possibility is just that the CIA decided to do play politics and just cashier these people to sort of forestall scandal. Yeah, I um, guess you know if you've got somebody for three and a half years, right? Yeah, and their story isn't changing, and it turns out that perhaps they've been innocent this whole time. How do you mm-hmm. deal with that? Yeah. You know, how well, do you save face? You, you know, say, all oh, these people are getting older. Mm-hmm. They're going to go take over these backwater places. This yeah. guy's going to take some early retirement. And this person that we've been holding for three and a half years is getting a very large cash, se- cash settlement sure. and gets to go live a totally normal life. That's what's happening. That's how we're going to make this go away. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think that anybody... It's hard for me to believe that anybody ever thought that he was innocent of all charges or that this, he was totally on the up and up and not a double agent sure but worthy yeah. of being held for three and a half years well no at a certain point he had to be let you know. go obviously he had to be i mean right. but but uh, the major players involved including angleton and, and pete bagley always believed you know after that that he was he was a double agent and uh, certainly there was good reason for that was that so, i guess you know my question then is like was that normal treatment of double agents like if they captured a double agent agent did they just throw him in normal jail? Did they like what did they do with that? Uh, you know, you, well, generally speaking, if you have a double agent, they're usually living overseas. Mm. So somebody that's, that's pretending to like say work for the KGB, he's working for the KGB, but pretending to work for you while he's actually working for them still. Sure. So you're not going to capture him, throw him in jail, or, or anything like that. Okay. Uh, you're that's just gonna, usually you're just the gonna... mysterious death. Yeah. Is how you take care of that. Uh, I would, I would uh, presume. No, you don't even do that. You, you know, you, you just feed them misinformation again by by you let them feed you disinformation thinking that they're succeeding in misleading you even though they're not oh, come and on meantime, come on i'm going i'm going with the born identity thing yeah. that's when you kill that's, them that's more fun i know i like that better too and i'm yeah. sure it happens every now and again but it's actually more profitable to do th- do stuff like like feed them misinformation like i was saying earlier by just the, the questions that you ask yeah. them you can yeah. mislead them sure but anyway, so last of all, I don't want to stretch this on forever. We can go back and forth. This whole, we're in this whole wilderness of mirrors thing. And who the hell knows? I mean, you, you know, it's really hard to know. But, yeah. um, but as far as the existence of the mole goes, I mean, we've had moles in the CIA before. There was, there was Kim Philby back in the late 40s. He was a, he was a British liaison to the, to the CIA. He turned out to be a Soviet agent. And of course, more recently, too late to be the mole in this case, but Aldrich Ames started working in the late '60s for the CIA. That was did you, you've heard of Aldrich Ames, right? I like that Joe keeps saying these names like you and I, I might actually. Uh, know. I actually think did they make a they, they made a movie about this guy about five or about, ten years ago? Didn't about who, they? Ames or Philby? 
Uh, no, the the second guy, the one yeah, that Alder James. Yeah, because yeah. he he was doing he was a mole and doing this for thirty years well, or something, some the, horrendous amount of time. I don't know if it was thirty years, but it was a long time. And and what was most amazing about it was how brazen the guy was. Let's mm-hmm. say for argument's sake that I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Right. I mean, of course I know what you're talking about, oh, yeah. but just for okay. our listeners, yeah. let's say precisely, precisely. What okay. are you talking? I'll about? I'll do this really briefly because these obviously are not the mole in question here who's sure. never uncovered that we know of but you never know sometimes moles are uncovered and they're just quietly quietly sent out to pasture you know mm-hmm. because they don't want a scandal so and alder james so let's go to alder james he, he joined the cia i believe in 1969 and he was working as an analyst and it's, it's been a while so i've actually forgotten a lot of the details but some of the most i remember some of the most hilarious details which is that for the, he worked in, at, in the office at Langley, and he would actually just walk out of the building some days with grocery bags full of secret documents to <laughs> give to the Russians. So the guy drove, the guy was, you know, a civil servant, but he drove a Jaguar, and he had a $600,000 house that he paid for with cash. Uh, and, take, <laughs> and, and they uh, didn't catch him. Yeah, and they, and they okay. didn't catch him for years. And so, I mean, how confident. These guys are, well, I mean, they, seriously. He did it for, what, it was 10, 20 years? Something like that. Something I mean, like that, yeah. I mean, I mean I uh, haven't, a long, I, long time. Yeah, I mean, I have not. It's been a while, and I have not brushed up on my, my recollection of the, of the whole thing. But the whole thing was, the scandalous thing about it was not just the secrets, but how easy it was and how for brazen him, the yeah. guy was. Sure. And you know, the general sure. incompetence of the, the people that were supposed to keep an eye out for stuff like this. Okay, so, uh, so there's maybe a mole. Yeah, so there's maybe a mole. Uh, uh, Kim Philby, real quick like, uh, Kim Philby was a rising star in MI6, the British Secret Service. He was son of Sir Harold Philby, who was the Lawrence of Arabia of the Saudi clan. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. You've heard of all that. You, you know all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? So he, so he was a son of uh, Harold Philby. He was a rising star. He was, it was almost a certainty that he would be the next director of MI6. And for a time, he was uh, sent off to be a liaison with the CIA, which had been recently formed. The CIA did, did not start until 1947. Mm-hmm. And so he spent a lot of time over here from 47 to 1950 helping us get started and serving as a liaison between the two services, mm-hmm. giving us advice mm-hmm. and spending a lot of time talking with us, especially with Angleton. I think it was just probably a formative, searing experience for Angleton. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of time talking with James Angleton about what, what was going on and of course, after afterwards, Angleton realized he'd been had. Maybe that was what made him so suspicious about you know, about this kind of sure. stuff in the future. Uh, so anyway, he was a mole. But anyway, between between that time, of course, there exists the possibility of other moles too. Right. And the thing about about a mole is that is that if you're trying to penetrate a service or deceive a service like the CIA, what you need to have, what's really kind of essential, is to have feedback. You need to know that you're actually your story is believed and that your ruse is working, and so otherwise you just you just keep trying the same old thing over and over again and it's not working and you don't even realize that it's not working or why it's not working. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't so the fact that you know it, that doesn't prove anything necessarily. But but what's interesting about the Nosenko case is that as far as the Soviets knew, he was a, a valid disinformation agent. We had recruited him. He was feeding us BS. That that in a sense in a sense that essentially made him a valuable person, mm-hmm. and yet suddenly they decide we're gonna make we're gonna have the guy defect over to our side to argue the case for why Oswald had nothing to do with the KGB. So that would argue for the existence of a mole, yeah, because the mole had the mole was aware that we didn't trust. Lysenko anyway, and that we were unsure that he was really not a double agent. So I guess and at so, that point that that mole would have been. 
like pretty high up. He would have been, right? yeah, he would have been, yeah, yeah, pretty high up, yeah. Not just like a run of the mill agent. No, 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 obviously, because there is compartmentalization. Although, mm-hmm. then again, considering some of the stuff that's like with the Ames case, who knows? Sure. <laughs> Maybe they, yeah. They put this stuff in the, in the company newsletter. You know? Right, who <laughs> it knows? It goes all around Langley. <laughs> this year, be sure if you run into Nansenko. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, if he was, so assuming that Nansenko's purpose, uh, assuming he was sent uh, and, it, and the purpose of his being sent, was to reassure us that he had had no that Oswald had no part in the assassination, no then, connection to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. then it, then it would make sense because he he would be a pawn that would be easily sacrificed because they knew through the existence of their feedback device, the mole, they knew he was of no value to them anyway. Sure. So yeah, otherwise they're sacrificing a valuable asset for no particular reason. Right. Hmm. All right. So so that's one argument for the existence of a mole. Supposing uh, supposing also that they wanted to send him to discredit and embarrass the CIA. Hmm. Supposing they know, through their asset on, on our side, they know that he is not, not particularly believed or trusted. So they know that when he shows up with his story about Oswald and how he knew Oswald and did, this, did, this back, did, did all this investigation of Oswald, and then uh, the CIA, of course, thinks it's BS, and so they don't... And so he, they don't take him to the Warren Commission or the FBI or anybody else to testify. Later on, he uh, calls a press conference and says, hey, you know, I showed up to the CIA headquarters and, and with all this information about Oswald, and, you know, they just tried to shut me up. They didn't let me testify before the Warren Commission. And, mm. that, can, and that could be just one more way of sowing confusion and suspicion and conspiracy theories, mm. which is yet another... So again, I, and this is all pure speculation on my part. Sure. But they would both sort of semi-support the existence, or at least the possibility of the existence of a mole in the ranks of the CIA. So I guess the big mystery here is, wh- was there a mole? And if there was, who was it? All right, here's the, here's the part where we flip a coin. Uh-huh. Okay. You got, anybody got a quarter? No. Yeah, okay. right here. <laughs> all right. Heads. Ding. Uh, Heads. Oh, heads. Okay, there was a mole. <laughs> what if it was tails? There would be not a mole. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, I think that's how. That's how. Yeah, we're kind of in the, this one is to suss out. We are kind of in the wilderness of mirrors here. So sometimes tails means heads. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Sometimes it lands on its side. Yeah, that happens a lot. It does. Yeah. So anyway, um, in uh, in in researching this thing, I've come across some interesting declassified documents, like some memos from Angleton to the FBI. So. Uh, some of those, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna still, I'm still actually rooting through a lot of this. There's quite a few of them out there. I'm, obviously, we're not going to put them all out there on the website. Yeah, but I thought reams I might, and reams of this stuff. Yeah. I thought it might be interesting to put one or two out there, so we'll have yeah. links to those things for you guys to look at. Um, Where are we going to have links for that? Uh, we're going to have those like on our website, I think, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. If you want to send us an email, send us an email at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on iTunes. Find us on Facebook. Oh, and yes, of course, you can find us on Stitcher. Anyway, that's it for now. So long, everybody. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Feel so unfinished. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. 
With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.